The views expressed in this presentation are expressly those of the presenter and do not reflect the official policy or position of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or United States government. You might have lost a friend or two. Hey, I got battle scars. <laughs> I got battle scars. I, I know what you guys are talking about. I wouldn't necessarily say that I got a lot of battle scars from peers, but definitely like if you are leading someone, you want to be able to think that they can trust you. So the one note I have on here is like, if you're going to hold someone accountable, you better be accountable and you better hold yourself to that same standard. And even if you have no idea what you're doing, that means you better have done your research ask mentorship in the program, outside the program, people who have done it before you um, talk to some, you know, couple peers through your idea before you go ahead and do it. And then you can say, Hey, this is what I've done to make sure I've done the exact thing that I want to come across to come across in that same fashion. Um, so if you're going to be accountable to someone, I would definitely say you've got to make sure that you've got all of your, all of your backs covered. Um, but yeah, I definitely would not say have I've lose. We also had a really good class um, because we were able to go through so much of those down moments as you were talking about Fernanda and so much, um, I don't want to say trauma bonding, but you know, trauma bonding to, to an extent. Uh, so we were able to see that, but again, it, it does really suck seeing like, Hey, you're leading a group of um, folks who might not see the end result yet. Even when you explain it to them, sometimes it's just experience and sometimes it's just maturity and you haven't had the time to, to go through those downs to be able to see that there's, there's an up afterwards. So yeah, I would say not necessarily peers, but followers, if you want to call them that just like, you know, young 100s, 200s who are still trying to, who are still in the thick of it, you know, um, which always kind of sucks. But um, also tag, uh, tagging on to Fernanda's point on, if you care a lot, I also was told like, Stephanie, why do you care so much? Like you're getting so stressed out. Like this is not that serious. It's ROTC. And at the same time, I was like, if you're not taking this seriously, how are you going to take it seriously in the real world? Because this stuff does not go away. It doesn't go away in the slightest. We're older, more mature sometimes, but, um, you gotta, it is definitely a fine, fine line to balance between, um, you know, being the cool guy. And it's not that it's not that serious. It's not that deep. Let's just get through it. It's just training week five. Like it's just a lead lab. When at the end of it, like, are you learning something from it or are you not? So it was always a challenge that I had to deal with as well. Fernanda, like if you care too much, then you're, you're the lame one in the corner, but sometimes you gotta be. Yeah. I had a similar side of the token. Um, I worked very hard not to lose any friends because my friends were very, very important to me, mm-hmm. uh, my family. And I considered all the cadets in ROTC, my family. And this is a perspective coming from a rated unit right now, where it's more of a family culture than a hierarchical structure, right? So a lot more peer leadership. And I'll just give a quick, quick caveat here. Like I think the way I kind of skirted around pissing people off was I tried very hard to make change their idea. And what do I mean by that? Um, you'd sit down with your group staff and I'd be like, here's the problem. How are we collectively going to solve this? Mm-hmm. I want to hear a perspective from everybody's seat at this table. At the end of the day, it's my call. I'm going to, uh, you guys are going to reap the benefits. And if it goes bad, I'm reaping the punishment for it. That's how it's going to be. At the end of the day, it's my call. I, I felt, at least in my perspective, when I was the wing commander, my semester, that worked really well because it was a group effort on making such decisions. And everybody had a chance to say their piece. Um, and it wasn't just me steering the ship. It was everybody steering the ship. And that works great for me. So don't don't think you have to lose friends to be a great leader and be in charge of a, a good organization. Sometimes you might have to, but there are ways to get around that. Um, and especially if, for those of you who want to be pilots or rated world, like 
you might be put in charge as a lieutenant of captains. You're in charge of a certain program or whatever, and you have people above you that you have to lead and they're higher ranking. So you kind of have to be very political in the way of like, how am I going to make this everybody's idea without losing my buddies who I'm going to go fly with or deploy with in two weeks? Like, how do I do that? So learn, practice some of those skills. Um, I'll stop my rant here, but uh, there's two sides to that token. That's all I'm trying to say. All right. The one, the one thing <clears throat> that I want to in this part of the, the conversation with, because yeah, we got a role, but yes, obviously you want to play the politician and make sure you, you want to maintain those relationships. But like you said, LT, the, the decision is yours. The, it, Galanga, the decision is yours. And if your friends cannot see beyond that and get on that boat and pedal, right. Or and move, right. Or do something, and they just going to sit there with their hands folded and sit there and whine about it, then I would highly recommend you even reevaluate your friendships. Your your friends would not sabotage your command. They understand that you got a job to do. They're not in the room. You know, they're not in certain rooms that you're in. They don't get strategic guidance from cadre or anybody else that you get. So if they can't wrap their mind around the fact that, hey, this is how I see it. It's not personal. Yes. You know, and yes, you're my friend. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go where you go because you're the leader, not because you're my friend. If they can't get wrap their mind around that, then we need to reevaluate some stuff, right? Because if they were truly your friend and your ally and all that, they wouldn't put you in a compromising position in which you got to make those hard decisions. They will not do that to you. They'll think twice, right? And say, I don't want to put that person in that position because I can't wrap my mind around where they want to go. It doesn't make sense to me. So I'm going to I'm just going to sabotage it. Right. It, it, it does happen like that. And that's how we end up losing friends. Right. Friends. Right. That's how we end up losing those quote unquote friends is when those kind of things happen. There's those conflicts of interest. But we've got to take our time and we've got to think about those things. My my objective is not to sabotage your command is to let you make the decision. As long as it hits those pillars, we're, we're lockstep. We're going right. And, and we'll, we'll be fine. Everything will work out in the end. So don't worry about that so much. I get it. We want to maintain our relationships, but sometimes that's not all the way possible. And we just have to take our losses where we take them. And, and but at the end of the day, it'll be okay. Again, Biosteros is fine. She's doing perfectly fine. I am doing perfectly fine with my battle scars. Everybody else is doing perfectly fine. We will all move on and everything will be okay. So, but at the end of the day, you got to take the, you got to, you got to make the decision. You got to take the hit that, that goes with it. So um, with that being said, we'll close out this one, right? It's a, it was a little hot one. It was a, it was a, it was a hot one. It, it's emotional process, right? I'm sure, sure people thought about, you know, some, emo, you know, some times where it hit the, hit, struck a chord, right? And that's okay. Um, those are battle scars of leadership. But I want to transition to something that's a little bit more uh, fun to talk about. So I'm going to give this to uh, Biasteros, who's going to transition us and, and talk about something that we all want to talk about. So let's go, uh, Miss Biasteros. Alrighty. So as we all know, the Super Bowl just happened. So I kind of wanted to start off with this question: Was the Super Bowl about Taylor Swift, Usher, no, or the no, actual no. game? Opinions, think- thoughts, perspectives. <laughs> Football in America has just been ruined. Like, if the fact that we're asking these questions is like, come on, like, what are we doing? We're having an Usher concert. And it happens to have a football game at the halftime show. <laughs> I mean, Alicia Keys concert. Alicia Keys. Oh, it was Alicia the Keys concert. Saved the performance. I, yes. I, yeah, I heard I it was a little rough. Play. I thought 
thought it was great. We went into overtime. I was like, that was the most excited I've been about a game in a very long time. So I thought it was awesome. Like it was overtime. We were sweating. Oh, so you, you <laughs> yeah, watched the game. Yeah, we watched you, you the game. You watched the game. You watched the game for the game. Oh, okay. Don't you worry. You're, you're, you you're a unicorn fans? now. We are Cowboys fans. You're a unicorn yeah, we got, now. Look, we, it's a whole production. <laughs> to the game, the uh, the food, the commercials, Everything. Usher, Taylor Swift, all of it. It's a it's a four hour fest of Americana. Yeah. You know? It's a vibe. That's all it is. And that's it's what it's about. Every year I say this, no matter what the Cowboys record is, it's always possible for Dak Prescott to get them to a Super Bowl. All he's got to do is pay for the $8,000 ticket for each player on the team and the Cowboys will find it. And they made it, baby. You know, I've been a Cowboys fan for a long time and you're right, man. Every time they get to the freaking playoffs, like you're hopeful and then you just get your heart broken every freaking time. So I don't get my hopes up anymore. I'm like, yeah, it builds character, right? Like exactly like what you were saying. I just get dogged on all the time being a Cowboys fan but you know what whatever say what you want say what you want they're still my team you know <laughs> you, you know who, who you know who doesn't have an opinion on it Valentine Valentine does not have an opinion on this at all okay she doesn't have an opinion on it at all why not why do you have no opinion <laughs> That's very true. I am not a big sports person. Um, the way I watched the game was through TikTok. I kept seeing like who won through there. TikTok, just so, so, honestly, just so you can go back like, to the debt and have that conversation. <laughs> the way I see it is like I don't care to keep up with social media and all the big things that's happening, like Taylor Swift and all that that's going on with the game, because it really doesn't affect me. Like everyone had such a big opinion, like. People were so mad that Taylor Swift was like part of it and she kept being shown on the screen. So they were going for the 49ers and then their other half is just like it was just like back and forth. I'm just like, honestly, guys, does it really affect you? But I mean, everyone could have their opinion, but like I just stay neutral. (laughs) Yeah. So did anybody have any like favorite commercials or um, anything that just was like, man, this was the part. This was the part that worked out for I me. Think, I think there was an underlying um, forum plot by uh, said near peer adversaries with all those Timu ads. I, I too also. Oh, no. <laughs> that was hey, hey, I'm just saying. I'm I gotta say, saying. my favorite ad was Kanye paying six million dollars for a, a spot <laughs> and then forgetting to film the commercial uh-huh. and just doing it on his phone. Like that's that's you know making it happen right there. That is, hey, I screwed up, but yeah. we're. We're getting what across a flip. the finish line. That's some that's some leadership, you know. So learn from Ye. <laughs> He's an inspiration to a whole new generation. He, he just keeps inspiring. Oh, yeah. He's out there. That, that man's living. He made mad profit oh, on that. Yeah. yeah. Man, I was like, I'm gonna go to Yeezy.com. See what's up. You know. I will not. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there you go. There you go. So. Yeah. So you know, despite the fact that it was a red on red game, you know, no blue. Right. And I'm from, I'm from California. This is what it is. So, you know, between the commercials. Yeah. During that, that whole time I was editing. I was like, I could see the game behind me. I could hear it. But I'm sitting there editing, you know, making sure that you guys sound great. You know, doing my thing, making sure everything's cool. That's literally what I was doing. So I, I missed a majority of the of the, the things. I could hear it, but I really wasn't focused in on it. I was too busy tuning my ears. But I did. I was able to catch some of it. And uh, yeah, saw all the things that you guys saw. So hey, Chad, why did you... Um... 
Go ahead. Let me, let me talk to Chad. Chad, you were right. you were one of the guys that tried to get that uh, DoorDash promo code, weren't you? You said what? No, I saw the ad. It started going way too uh, long. You, no, I know, I, I know you. You were you were like, man, let me lock in and try and get this. Right. <laughs> I was playing chess. Don't even worry. Okay. Now I was playing okay. chess while the entire Super Bowl was happening. I'm. My parents are both Chiefs fans, so therefore I, I had a root for the Chiefs or I would get, mm. you know, dog yeah. on. But uh, I was rooting for Lamar, man. I was rooting for... Uh, Me too. <sighs> Me too. Didn't happen. Um, I'm much like Valentine, where I don't really know much about the actual teams themselves. Out of all, like, events, I really like the World Cup. <laughs> but about football, I'm like, eh. But, you know, Dante was really mad at me when I would always refer to uh, <laughs> that one dude as Taylor Swift's boyfriend. He's like, no, he has a name and this and this and that. Yeah, I'm the like, yeller. Okay. I'm like, oh, I, I don't remember the names. I just know the reference. Oh, um, yeller. <laughs> but did you guys hear about the whole, like, color, like, NFL color conspiracy that was going on as to why there was purple? It was like a whole bunch of stuff, but they were saying like, oh, hmm. NFL was predicting that the Ravens were going to win. Hence why it was going to be purple and red. It was like just a lot of little conspiracies going on. Oh, wow. So here's a conspiracy. Here's a conspiracy. I want to know what <laughs> Travis Kelsey was saying to the coach when he was yelling at him. Go. What was he saying? Go. Oh, oh, I don't <laughs> I just saw the memes where he it, was like, oh, I don't want to want Taylor Swift to make a whole album about me because yeah, we broke <laughs> up. Yes. So let's go along that line. It wasn't. So anything but put me in coach. Go. See, that that would be my answer, because like that, if I was on the field, I would probably be screaming the exact same thing if I was one of the star players. Like, why am I not on the field when these big plays are happening? I don't think Taylor Swift had anything to do with it because she doesn't have anything to do with football. <laughs> I, you know what do you, you know okay. what, what do you, what do you think, LT? Say, I would be like rooting for your team. Like I definitely wanted to see more of like him rooting for the team instead of like let me do it. I'll do it better. You know, I was like, man, that that's a way to dish your team. I didn't like that very much. So what, what was he saying? I don't know. I'm better than all you guys. Put me in. I'll show you how to do it correctly. Probably something along those lines. This team yeah, sucks. I was like, Why Coach sucks. This is your team. Your team. <laughs> Yes, the the Kansas City Travis Kelsey's. <laughs> hey, back All in right. the day, that so, you would have been doing gassers the whole day next practice. If I did that, you'll be running till the sun goes down, and practice starts at eight a.m. Yeah, maybe he was singing that yes song by uh, Usher and Lil John. <laughs> you seen yeah, the, the coach yeah. was the villain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> coach was the villain. Yeah, he's just the villain. Yeah, coach is villain. But he's coach is the villain. Cross the finish line, you he's know. Just doing so his job. Sometimes you got to be it. Exactly. You didn't put him yeah. in for a reason. Exactly. So bad for my boy Brock Purdy though. Brock Purdy was locked in. Yeah. Dude, I was. I love the underdog story, and that that guy led them to a Super Bowl. Man, it's yeah. it's impressive. So I was I was hoping for him, but good. Mahomes is just too good. But what did you guys think about the Usher concert? Was it what is it exactly uh, what you guys expected? Average for sure. He also doesn't like R and B. Likewise, I like R and B, but like it, it was like it's like Usher sing for me. He's, <laughs> starts dancing, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like that's his that's his groove. That's what it was like back then, you know. Justin Timberlake, Neo, all them cats. It, it's a two part show. You get the singing and the dancing. I think he I just, performed good, but the the way they structured the show was pretty. I it was okay. That the entrance wasn't it. 
Like, I feel like the entrance was like a whole lot of like everybody else but Usher. Like, there was just so many people like circle the sleigh flipping each other, whatever. And then I feel like the song choice was in there. Like, I was imagining like, oh my, you know, like all, you know, making it look super amazing. But I feel like it started off kind of slow. And the ending was great with Lil John and Ludacris. I felt like that was my favorite Step part of the whole, you know, concert. Yeah, but. I was pissed that Justin Bieber didn't come out. But I guess it was Usher's moment. But I was like, this could be awesome. We should keep this one. You're a Bieber. You're a Bieber I, I fever. She's a believer. What's your, what's your, didn't Oh, it's a Bieber a fever. Okay, so Michael Jackson when he Michael yeah Michael Jackson when he did the Super Bowl he just stood there for like x amount of time he didn't do anything he just stood there and everyone's like oh my god it's Michael Jackson he just stood there and then he like did some other things but if you guys look back at it he just stood there so it wasn't no dancers or nothing like that but it's Michael Jackson he can do whatever he wants everybody's like oh my god it's Michael Jackson so there was that and then I'm sure somebody got cussed out with that audio. I'm sure somebody was about to get fired or got fired because the audio was all terrible. I'm sure they, I don't know if they did it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure someone was getting cussed out over there. Um, And then fired. And then the, the, the second string came in and fixed it. Second string probably rigged it. Anyway, there was, was that. Are you talking about the Alicia Keys thing? No, there was the audio. It was just it dropped out. It was not great for a little bit. Something. Oh, but was there was going also on. like Alicia Keys in the actual performance. She had like a whole voice crack, and like her voice wasn't in the beginning. Mm. And NFL like reposted it and put auto tune, so it was all smooth. <laughs> so there was a the whole thing there too. <laughs> Dang, but I mean, who knows? She probably had something going on. It's hard. Nah, so. I, thought, I thought she did great. The only thing was like the whole usher like really honor and i was like isn't she married i had to research it because i was like am i like do i not know like what's going on with like the public eye right now but i was like mm, a little bit yeah, sus. yeah she, bit she sus. married the swiss beast and, and yeah that's a little sketchy you saw all the memes all the master sergeant a1c memes it's a little <laughs> sketch there saw that i was like that's the first thing that they thought was to go at the air force and say hey oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Look for that meme. It's there it forever funny. now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, apparently, Swiss Beast was not tripping about it, but no, Usher's known for stealing your girl. So, uh, you yeah. Know, for a lot of other things, too. Yeah. I, he I, got I, married I, nope. that same day, didn't he? Yeah, he went and got married to the. So, it's Usher. So, whatever. Usher, baby. You know, he just wanted to take it nice and slow, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> Okay, so that, so there you go. Super Bowl in a nutshell. Apparently, there was a game. You know, there was some commercials in the middle of that, and and Usher and Lil John and all of them performed. So uh, there was that. So with that being said. We will close out that one. All right. We'll cut into the the next topic of discussion, which is the avatar. So this is uh, for you, Cadet Galanga. Um, I'm going to open up the floor to you and kind of uh, give you a chance to talk to your predecessors here, your past lives. And, and you know, kind of just open the floor and, and tell them what's going on and how you're feeling and how things are going. And, and I'm sure they got plenty of wisdom and some advice for you as you go along. So without further ado, uh, the floor is yours, sir. Go ahead and do your thing. Yes, sir. I guess I'm mic'd up here. All right. So, uh, I had a couple things in mind that I did want to discuss here. Uh, I guess going like sequentially something that I did personally struggle with first, like learning about the role whenever I found out that I got picked up for the job. And then 
leading into the actual beginning of it, I want to ask, how do you, how did you actually go about, you know, implementing your vision, creating your vision, even like having it to begin with, which is a bit of a broad question, I suppose. But for, for the viewers out there, I, I would really love to have, you know, people inspired to be the wing commander, but they just don't know exactly where to take that first step. And in my opinion, it does start with that vision. So pretty broad, but floors for you all. Um, well, the first thing I tried to do was, and I know it's not the same. It's a little bit comparing apples to oranges, but again, I always saw it as this is how I'm learning how the real air force does it. So that way when I'm in the real air force and I know how to do it. So I always talked to Cadre, talked to my other mentors that I had that were active duty. Um, and I said, how, how would this position work in the Air Force? And how then can I mimic that in our cadet wing? Um, what does a mission support group commander actually do? And are they doing that? Or are they just doing admin? Because they do way more than that in the real world. Do What does a public affairs person do? Just take pictures? Because that's not all PA does in the real Air Force. So I always try to take my vision um, and and see how I could somewhat compare it to how we can do it in, um, in the cadet wing is where I always started. Yeah. I, I can chime in real quick too, if you're cool with that. Um, yeah, she did a great job with that, by the way, when, when she was there, it was really impressive. Um, when, when I was coming in, so I don't know how y'all are doing applications, but we had to apply with our vision already in hand before you had the job. Um, I think you guys are, are you doing it the same way. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yes. So I thought that was definitely a huge benefit because, um, throughout my all, I guess three years up to that point, I, I was watching the cadet wing and seeing what worked well for me as a 100, what worked well for me as a GMC, what worked well for me as a POC and what really didn't. And I tried to focus on those things that weren't going well. Um, and how can we change that? And then how can we improve upon the things that were going well? Um, and then that's kind of how I formed my vision around that. Uh, and I applied with that in mind. Uh, so I was more focused on how can we get external resources? I felt we were low on resources. That was one of my big things. And then how can we recover post COVID and, and regain our, our training efficiency? Those were kind of like my two main points. And that's what I pitched to Colonel Williams when I was applying for the wing commander. So he kind of got to make sure his vision aligned with mine when he picked me. And then we were able to kind of go at it as a team. Um, that's how I did it. So I just kind of a culmination of all my experience and what I would like to see the debt move to and what I would like the debt to continue to do when I'm gone. Um, and you're going to start noticing that as you come to the end of your term, how can I leave a legacy here, uh, with, with my people, with the actual detachment itself, like the building, like I was the one who painted all the stuff in the building, uh, or my, my wing did that, which was fun. Um, just kind of, how would you like to leave it? You know, and, and what would you like to improve for the GMC that, um, you were in their shoes two years ago? That's how I went about it. And I think it worked decently. Um, I don't know. You guys are in my wing. It was either great or it wasn't, <laughs> you, know? you guys made it, you're in a commission. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it has to do with a lot of observation throughout the years. It's not just like, oh, the semester prior, it's like ever since you were a GMC and I would always write like mental notes of, you know, maybe I want to consider being wing commander in the future. I think it's important for me to, you know, gather these, these things up and my little notebook so I can bring them up later how I'm going to solve them and then when it came to the vision I was very intentional with the words that I utilize so like I remember I like highlighted a whole bunch of things and like underlined but I said reheal the climate and like underline reheal like reestablish standards and regulations and like that was something that Colonel Williams really got on me on during my wing commander interview he's like why did you do that specifically I'm like that's important that's like specifically what I want to do so those are the two biggest things I know are hitting us as a whole cadet 
program, but also the POC culture in general, because if the POC culture is really down and, you know, everything and not doing what's supposed to be doing, it's going to bed directly into the GMC because we are teaching the GMC. So it's really all interconnected. Um, but being really intentional with what you say, and uh, like they had said, being really uh, communicative with cadre because they are your mentors for that semester. And you got to be a leech. Like you got to take advantage of you being wing commander because you won't always have the opportunity to be with them in that regard. Like basically all that summer, ever since like summer started, I was with cadre talking and doing all these things more than just the semester that were actually was wing commander the summer was prep but the uh, the semester was execution and i just if i there if something wasn't prepared during this uh, semester or during the summer i knew i did something wrong because semester just had to be focused on execution and that was something that siati really told me he's like if you're if you're just preparing during your semester then you're already doing it wrong so got it so i guess uh to touch back on to uh what uh lieutenant cohen and uh, blaze i'm sorry i forget two of you <laughs> anyways um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I wanted to be able to pitch for this upcoming semester, which my theme for it was development at all levels, which I made intentionally vague because I figured, well, anyone and everyone can have different means of development. They have different things that they want to personally develop in, in different ways. So like you, you touch on people who have um, who, who want to get more physically fit. You got a bunch of people who want to you know, put more numbers on the bench press or run faster. Obviously, there's things that we have to tailor more towards what is being tested for the Air Force, which is on the PFA, the run. But ultimately, the whole culture is something that I wanted to touch on with being something that people are instilled or people realize, hey, I need to push myself. I need to push the people around me. And another thing that I personally wanted to uh, implement was more of the perspective, because coming in, I had little, little knowledge about the military because just didn't know what it was. So those little nuggets of time where we got to talk to active duty folks, it, it meant the world to me. So I sort of wanted to implement that to a larger degree uh, for this semester, which is also tying into that uh, aspect of the development. But got it. I The vision, the all of that, it, it can be abstract if you make it, but I like, I like what uh, you all have been saying, like you have to really be intentional. You have to have specific things in mind. So for anyone listening, I, I truly mean it when I say pay attention to, you know, the things that you're seeing here, pay attention to what I might be doing wrong, what I might be doing right. And you want to keep, you all have some sort of perspective that I might not have. And I would absolutely advocate for you to advocate for yourself to be wing commander because maybe you'll have a larger impact than you might realize, which that is one of the primary things that I considered. I wanted to just have an impact on folks. And this is one of the best ways to do that. So that's tying me into my second part, my second uh, thing for you all. What is the number one why as to why you all decided to apply? Cool. Uh, to apply to ROTC, you're saying, right? And be an officer? Oh, uh, to, or to be to, a wing commander? Uh, sorry, for, uh, to be a wing commander. Okay. Yes, sorry. Gotcha. Gotcha. Make sure I'm understanding the question. You got yours? Or? Um, yeah. So I um, also, similarly to Fernanda, I had a notes app on my phone of um, 
not complaining, but stating a problem. And I had a very long list of problems that either didn't work for the you know time being or just the people who did it or whoever else, just because things are going to have to improve. So I had a bunch of things where, hey, this is where I thought was a problem. But then I also had a solution of how to fix it. And so as those things started to pile up, I thought I would do something with it. I never necessarily thought, oh, I'm going to be a wing commander as a freshman because it's I also kind of compare it to active duty when people are like, I'm going to be a general one day when really the ones who are going to end up getting there are the ones who are having service for self in the first place. So if I think of all those things and I'm like, okay, do I want the next set of people who are going to be coming in as, as officers to have those same problems or do I want to make it more effective for them? So I had my list and then I wanted to do something about it. Sweet. Yeah. So funny story with me, I actually applied to be the wing commander in my FTP semester. Um, so I was a sophomore and I applied to be it as a junior. The reason I did that uh, is because we had a cadet named Nick Forrester. Um, I don't think any of you guys are around for him, but really absolutely sharp guy. Like one of the, one of those guys you kind of just follow to do anything. And he was like, uh, they opened up the application to anybody who's going to be a POC. And jokingly, I said, oh, you know, I'll give your shot, whatever. He's like, no, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you try? And even if you don't get picked up, you go through the practice of thinking through how would you organize the cadet wing? How would you change things? And um, you go through the interview practice of, of really thinking critically. So I did it. Didn't get picked up because why, you know. <laughs> Why would I? Um, but I learned a lot about how the wing worked, what Cadre's vision was, even going through the wing commander interview. Uh, and then I brought that information with me being a POC. I was training squadron commander the first semester back from field training and then flowed into FTP uh, flight commander the following, uh, the following semester. And so going through that whole junior year, I was thinking with the perspective I had learned already from, from applying, my mind was in the the concept of, okay, how do I make this better? How would I make this POC core run better? Am I the person that would be best to do that? And if the answer was no, then like there would be, you know, I would be better help helping somebody else apply. But I decided I would give it a shot again, uh, going into my fall semester senior year. And I just took all those little things I had, I would have liked to see, or maybe could have run a little bit better, or make life less stressful for the POC. And that's how I put my application together. So I, I really did it just as a, as a way to continue to learn and a way to help maybe let the knowledge I've learned help the rest of the POC. Because my goal was to make them as efficient as possible and be home by dinner every night if they could, right? Like those types of things. So my, my path is a little different, but fun nonetheless, we got there, so. Yeah, for me, same like Stephanie, it was, I had seen all these things that were really hindering us or even just separating us as, as a family, um, as within the GMC, within the POC, within the whole cadet wing. And I just didn't want to stand there and be a bystander if I already knew certain things that would help. So that really motivated me to, I'm like, I want to be able to create these changes, not just for myself, but for everybody. Also, in this almost selfish way, I knew I had the most to learn. Almost like Chad, I really, when you did your whole Wing Commander interview, that really resonated with me because I felt like almost like almost repeating myself when I was on the opposite end of the table with like Colonel Williams and Colonel Young because I knew I had so much to learn because I know myself. I have a lot of insecurities. I, I lacked confidence and I wanted to really pressure myself to grow and something that I think Colonel Young is I'm like sir I don't think I would be as prepared to be a lieutenant if it wasn't for this position and all the experiences that I had with it because it really challenged me and made me grow and I don't think any other POC position would have done so for me and that's why when I really encourage people to apply specifically those AS300s right now that are listening like really do it because 
just disregarding everything else, you are going to learn and you will feel more prepared because this is where you're going to be seeing the most relatable stuff to you. And it's because you're working with people, you're working towards a mission, like so many things. And if you aren't like, if you don't feel like you're prepared, that's okay. That is a reason to apply. So that, that, that was mine. I was like, I need to learn a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. And keep, oh, so I got a question. I got a question for you, wing commanders. Um, <laughs> now, now blaze LT, you said you applied as a 300 and uh, for wing commander. And I, I really want to, I really want to crack into this one. I really do. Because I think, I think we, sometimes we get in our ways and I, I want to analyze and I want to talk to the predecessors of the past and try and analyze why do you not think you were accepted back then as a 300 applicant? What, yeah, what do you so think? I applied my, my 200 years to do it as a 300. Um, and, and I think yep. I wasn't accepted one because there was better talent available. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie. Um, but I, I think it was, um, touching back on the feedback that I got, it was, Hey, we need you to get just a little bit more experience with the hands-on leadership with like a flight level first, uh, in kind of learning the mission of the POC. So it was kind of the mentality of like, how can you fix POC problems if you've never really experienced them or been ingrained in the culture? And I, in hindsight, I don't think that was a bad perspective. And I think that was the right call. Um, and I applied knowing almost certainly that I wasn't going to, to get picked up. But again, it was a great way to learn like Fernanda was talking about and learn how this wing works and just get your, just put your foot out there. Just give it a shot. Um, I think at least what I was going through, maybe a second semester POC could be, could potentially give a good insight to what it actually is to be an officer. Cause in the air force, if when you're a commander, like you're going to go to a unit, you've probably never been a part of, and you're just going to get thrown in. You might not fully know the mission. Like look at Colonel young. He got thrown into the detachment. Probably he'd never been a debt commander before hadn't been in debt for at all. Um, and he had to figure out how do I learn what we're doing here, but then how also, do I guide it in the right direction? I think if you put a, a 300 POC as a wing commander, that's exactly what they're going to feel because they don't know how to how to be a POC. So I don't know if that answers your question, but and oh no, it, it does. So let, let's let's deep dive into this and get into some philosophical stuff. All right, because I literally just had a conversation with Chief McKean and we were talking about advising and things like that. It was a very productive conversation. That interview will be uploaded pretty soon, but I wanted to get some highlights on that and I want to touch on this because I feel like this is important and um, for the future. So you applying as a 300 granted, you know, okay, I got it. Superior talent. Cool. Whatever. But let's say you had the juice, right? Um, I, I, sometimes I feel that you know, the old tradition that, you know, the wing commander has to be the most senior uh, cadet has to be 800, 700, 400, right? Why? Because they've been here the longest. Got it. I understand that concept, but here's the deal. I think at least at least we as debt for need to work on work on getting the advice from those who probably know how to fight the war better. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You got you, you know, Ballesteros, Wade, Galanga, Valentine. You guys are at the point where you are stuck in your ways. This is what Chief Chief McKean and I agree. She said it best. You guys are so strategic. You guys have done everything dang near. Right. You guys have no more innovation left. You you have been there for blank years between J. Rotsi and regular Rotsi. You guys have no more innovative ideas. Right. You know what you've been taught. 
and you execute what you know, right? It's based off what you know. Just just keeping it real. Like, but who is going to have those innovative ideas? That's going to be Cadet Snuffy all the way at the bottom, right? That that person has been sitting there long enough to understand and they have this special blend, right? They're not quite POC yet where you were. I'm not quite POC yet, but I I have questions about certain things that I want to be able to take a crack at and answer them. Right. As a three, as a, as a 200 rising as a 300, you, you are, it's, it's like you, like, like you mentioned before, when you're new to a unit, you have questions. Commanders love the new people because the new people have these questions. They don't understand the unit yet, but they there's, you might have those questions that are, you're striking gold. You hit pay dirt, right? Where it's like, why do we do this? Right. Cause we've always done it. But it took a new person to open it up, right? Because all everybody's been integrated into this enterprise system for so long. So what I'm getting at is Snuffy, who's a 200, rising is a 300, in my opinion, is more than capable of being the wing commander. Is more than capable because they have questions. Now, this will also give them, because they don't know everything, hence the questions. But I think the mitigation to the risk of, oh, he or she is new. Well, throw somebody in there that does know, right? Hence the advice, right? I don't I don't know. I'm new here, right? I, I'm a POC, but I'm competent. I know how to listen to the advice of my people, right? I'm going to always take them in consideration. I don't know anything. So it, when you come in as an LT, what do you know? <laughs> Nothing, right? So you're going to ask those people, right? So basically this provides an opportunity for that rising 300 to seek advice. So when they become LTs, the first thing they do is seek advice. So I don't think it's so much of a bad thing that you applied that your your mentor was absolutely 100 percent correct. Granted, there was yes higher competition or whatever, but I want to send a message to those rising 300. If we truly mean the core is the core, then we have to follow our own our, our own words. We have to eat those words and say, you rising 200 FT peer rising up to 300. You can do it, too. Absolutely 100 percent apply. We will we will support you as much as possible if you are selected or we need to say 300 or rising 200s need not apply. We need to we need to do something. Right. And I don't think that's the message we want to send. I think we should be considered more considerate and not say, well, they're new. Well, everybody's new at some point in time. Do we want to take the risk? Right. And how are we going to mitigate that to an acceptable level? That might be putting a Wade, a Ballesteros, a Cohen, a, a Galanga, a Valentine right next to him. And, and amongst the council, right, a bunch of other people who might know and say, look, this is why things like that happen. At the end, though, at the end, you make a decision and we walk out this room lockstep. We're ready to roll. Right. I, I don't think that's so bad and overwhelming for a 200 if they know they can tr- are rising 300 if they know they can trust their people to to help them make a decision. I think it's a very I think it's a very acceptable risk. But I I, I think you made a good decision by applying. I want other rising 200s to apply. I don't want them to be afraid. I want them to step right in and understand what you guys have built. I want them to, and, but at the same time, you have the innovation. You have the ability to change things for the better because you just lived it. You just lived it down there. You know, right? I'm far removed. I'm an 800, 
right? I'm, I'm way over here, right? I'm not far, but I'm far away enough. So I know that's my platform. I know I jumped on it. I just, I just wanted to send a message to those rising GMC that, that if they should, they should apply and we would support them a hundred percent of the way. We can't just kick them away because they're not a 400 or they lack experience. Yeah. We all lack experience. Come on. Like, you know what I mean? I think we as an enterprise can do better. I think we just need those stronger candidates to step up and, and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try it. And, 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 and I, and I need to admit that I don't know anything, but actually sir, um, can I- Snuffy has the answers and Snuffy has the questions. So I 100% agree. And I just wanted to add on full circle. They say the same thing for new LTs. And when they say like oh, the best advice I've ever gotten as an LT is to learn when to keep your mouth shut. At the same time, they always will still praise. Well, if you're the newest one in the room, I would love to hear your opinion. <laughs> Sometimes it's shot down, but at the end of the day, it's, it's me. It's us that are doing it and doing the tactical things right off the jump. Like I had, I was the one that was a flight commander of 45 people my first day on the job, not the other captain. In fact, we didn't have a captain. I had to do it. So if I wasn't asking the questions and if I didn't have the experience, it didn't matter. I still had to get it done. And so I definitely think asking those questions and having um, the ability to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to find the answer. Keyword, I'm going to find the answer. Um, absolutely. I think not being afraid because you're a new LT, because you're the, you're going to be the one that's running it one day. And if it's not you as a new 300, figuring out how to how to be a, a wing commander, it's going to be you as a second lieutenant leading 45 people at, you know, the age of 23 with everyone else has full kids. Mm-hmm. Day one. You know? Day yeah. one. It's going to happen. From what we have seen, yeah. I think that would be better. The best prep I could think of for somebody going to be a lieutenant, yeah. especially yeah. in a non-rated career type field. Um, and RTC focuses solely like our existence. Everything revolves around field training, getting people to field training, they get back from field training, get the next people to field training. So like you have the most freshest experience mm-hmm. too, when you are 200 rising 300. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not opposed to the idea of any means. Yeah. I, no, I, I personally think that sprinkling the 300s, the rising 300s across the different enterprises you want them to lead, throw them in leadership positions. Like I'm not talking about at the bottom flight commander. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about operational and strategic level stuff. I'm not talking about being the exec and I'm there, but I don't, you know, I don't make any decisions. No, I, if you want to be good at decisions, put them in positions that make them make decisions. And then they have deputies who are experienced, you know, to kind of walk them through the process. I'm teaching you how to seek advice. I am teaching you how to seek advice because that's what we do as officers. We seek advice and we make a decision based on the advice and based on the information we receive. So if we're just learning how to make decisions and not seeking the advice, then what are we going to be doing as as LTs and things of that nature? It it becomes a, a potential crippling hindrance when we do it that way. So I think we can do it a little bit better. But again, that's up to the cadet wing commanders and things like that to figure out what we're going to do because what that does is create a layered chain of command it's layered you have your 400s 800s 700s at top you have your 300s at the bottom because we want you to get experience i get that but what kind of experience do you want them to get you know what i mean that should be the question you know and i think just sprinkling it around so you have representation across the the levels gives the you guys the wing commanders a little bit more variety, a little bit more flavor, and you're going to have those innovative ideas baked into your regime versus snuffed at the bottom and they don't ever get heard. 
But Snuffy at the bottom, that new flight commander probably has the answers that you guys are looking for at the tactical level. But that's what I would that's the message I would want to send to those new wing commanders or those new um, rising commanders. Like, think about that right before you guys press on and say, let's do it the same way because we've always done it that way. Well, you're going to get the same results. Aren't we trying to be better? Isn't that the answer? Isn't that the question? So. Just throwing that out there. Um, I want to get back on Galanga's platform before we we pivot off and talk about some cool stuff. I, I do want to jump on that again. Um, and I'm going to feed Galanga the question that is going to feed into you guys. Um, and for all you wing commanders and you, if you want to share it or not, that that's great. But or if you don't want to share the exact answer, you can share me one that was that was kind of in the ballpark. So. What was the most as wing commanders? What was the most difficult decision you had to make and why was there backlash? Was there personal feelings involved? Was there hesitation? Um, I'm going to start with the most senior folk. I'm going to go with the Cohens and, and see if you guys can recall a very, very, if not the most difficult a very difficult decision you guys had to make based on what and how long did it take you for, to see the results of what you did? No, okay. Um, sure. I got one for you. So um, let's see. Hardest decision I think was I had a ops group commander at the time who was working himself to death. Uh, God bless him. Cause he saved my butt continuously. But I was late to recognize how that was affecting his academics, how it was affecting his social life, his stress levels and him as a person until it was affecting his personality. And once stress gets to that point, uh, it's gone way too far, uh, at least in the level of what we're doing. Right. Wars different, all that different. It's different. Um, and so the hard decision I had to make is I fired him for two weeks. Uh, I basically put him on uh, leave. I was like, hey, man, you're on leave and uh, you can't touch your ops group for two weeks. I said, and he loved the, the program that he built. I said, if you love it that much, you probably should have built it in a way that it would live without you. Um, you have a deputy, you have squadron commanders who will take this and I will step in where I need to to make, keep this wing running, but you need some time off. So I, I forced him to take a couple of weeks off so he could take care of himself, take his tests that he needed for school or whatever. And I talked with Cadre. He said he was not allowed to touch anything that had to do with being a POC in his job. And you know what? The wing still ran and it was a scary thing to do because if that failed, it was still going to be on me. And if the cadets didn't get the training that they needed to do, and we were coming up on FTP selections and PFA and all kinds of crazy stuff was happening, um, it would have been really, really bad. So that was a scary decision to make, but it was the right one. And I'm glad I did at the end of the day because he was able to pass his classes get his midterms completed and come back. And man, when he came back, he was ready to go. The ops group was running better than I would have ever thought. So sometimes you got to make the hard decisions that will impact your ops at that time, but will keep your people going uh, and will make your wing better. Like you got to, you got to put grease on the squeaky wheel sometimes. And even if it's not squeaking, you got to recognize when it needs some grease. And that, that was a really hard one to make, but I'm glad I did. That's the first one that comes to my mind. I'm sure there were more, but yeah, the the toughest decisions are the one that involve people. 100%. Tough. Yep. Tough. What about you? Um, LT staff that I, that I think of, first. And I know there was a lot um, out of any personalities too. We also had um, a lot less people. My graduating 
class. Um, so I was technically a five year, but my my group that ended up leaving and commissioning. There was four of us total. So there was a lot um, to do with limited amount of people. And with that idea, I still wanted to create um, more of a mimic to what the real Air Force does. And that was to set up a third group to have all of my seniors be group commanders. And um, I'm trying to remember what specifically what I named it. But it was really hard to get that vision even across to um, my team. And Cadre fully backed me uh, or backed me up for it. But they said, you better sell this then. If this is your idea, you need to be able to sell it. And that means everyone has to have equal buy-in. And that's always hard, especially when they're your peers. And especially when even some of my folks had prior illicit experience, but there were things I wanted to try. So I guess, again, the, this is the only one that comes to mind. So I know it's not as heart-wrenching as this. But it was trying to portray, this is what we want to do, even if... We don't have the manning to do it. Here's why it's going to work in the long run because we're going to use you guys as as a uh, like the tip of the spear and have the meat and potatoes come from our our very excited, very motivated new 300 class, um, and they're going to do the brunt of the work. You guys just vector them to the right direction, and then it was hard when they probably don't understand the vector either. If it's an entirely new concept. When they're like, yeah, again, you're putting apples and oranges together, and this is just a cadet wing. This is not the Air Force. It's hard to put those two things together. And I think that was my biggest challenge. How I got over that is that didn't necessarily work out in, in my favor because a lot of things ended up failing on um, the process to make sure that we had checks and balances and to trust, uh, but verify. And that was one of the biggest things I, I wanted to... Or that I learned from it was trust, but verify, especially when what you have to give is super complicated to grasp. Um, I, I think that was the biggest thing that I had to deal with in the beginning of my semester. That's that's crazy how things came full circle because we have three groups now. Here comes Galanga, right? Here he comes. <laughs> we're, we're back to three groups, actually. Um, I... <laughs> Uh, Fernanda, I'll still let you give your answer, but that was actually going to kind of tie into the last question that I really had, which is like, when, when you have this grandiose vision and you're confident that it's going to work, but you're constantly getting pushback from some, some place somewhere like challenges, barricades, whether that be just people not exactly knowing how it's going to work. And I, I know that your solution is just to further explain it and further sell it, but even when you're getting pushback from, let's say, different perspectives coming from Cadre, which I, I'm granting, I'm, I'm giving this from personal experience because I understand that, you know, Captain Sledge, sir, you as well as Colonel Young, you, you guys are always going to offer us your guys' opinions. And you're going to make it very clear that these are not marching orders, but it sounds real nice when those opinions start to make sense. But what I'm getting at here is when those opinions start to make sense and it possibly starts defeating what your belief was to begin with, how do you actually push with your belief? You know, because I, I really love this three group structure. I, I really do. But man, is it, it's making less and less sense at the, at the moment. I don't know. Take, Go ahead, Fernando. Try to digest it. Fernando, you got anything? I've been chit-chatting too much. Uh, about your question about the other other question? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I guess for, for recency, uh, yeah, the uh, how do you stick to your guns, essentially? I think, well, I think it's always really important to gather feedback because sometimes we may love an idea, mm -hmm. especially because we made that idea, but it still doesn't work. Like, this reminds me of... Um, 
the dog structure that we had last what last semester and the coins to know about it but we had this other additional structure and i understood its intent but the way that it was structured was causing more problems and solutions and that was something we had to really like debate on on like on and off with because we're like we love its intent it's just not working out so I'm not saying that your group is not going to work out. I'm not saying that maybe it just needs to be restructured a lot better and still have three groups. So I think it's just, that's how you need to kind of see the feedback. It's not wrong. It's just a little bit faulty. Um, But like just back to, you know, what was the hardest decision that I ever had to make as a group commander or as a wing commander. And it was having to remove somebody from their position, you know, definitely. And there was just a lot of opinions and perspectives and, you know, I had to ask Kadri a lot about, you know, what they thought and my peers is what they thought, because it wasn't just an opinion that I took on by myself. Right. And once I did that action, it was a lot of backlash from that individual, but also from the GMC that didn't know about what was going on. All they saw it was, oh, could I bolster is taking an action due to personal reasons? But they don't know the full story. Neither was I going to tell them the full story because that would be me being you know, unprofessional. Only I can know what actually happened. So it was a lot of like me just sticking to my own opinion and knowing what I did was right. Um, and it did help the situation. You know, we got a new uh, mission to group commander in and we got the, the things were going and everything that we wanted was actually happening. But it was just really unfortunate that it was really persistent throughout the whole semester of like, why did you remove me? talking to people behind my back and it was just really upsetting but that's when you just have to be the bigger person and just stick to your guns in that way in that regard and know that again it wasn't just you and your own opinion it was gathering everybody else's opinion and that's why you know what you did was right so yeah man i i agree with fernando for sure uh, i'll just answer your question quick so i know we're running out of time so um i would ask you one thing from the time that you created that three group structure to now what has anything changed um to to make you feel like it hasn't worked or is it just people's opinion like is it is it just you gotta look at it is it working or is it not and, and if if maybe you're not to the, the end game yet to where you can see hey i've gotten to to where i want to be then maybe you just gotta let it play out because you made this idea for a reason and you were put in this position to try something new and you were selected because you have the perspective and everybody else does and so if you believe something has changed from when you made it to now then maybe reevaluate if it hasn't had time to play out yet dude stick to your guns and if at the end of the day it fails and it fails and now the debt knows right continuity let other people know hey this is why this didn't work so this three years from now the next wing commander is not trying it right um that's what that's what would be my advice to you so take a step back what has changed if nothing then just let people talk because they're going to talk and, and cadre too yeah and sometimes so. sorry and sometimes you may not have a faulty structure you just have faulty people in that position so i'd say they're not actually oh, dang. getting your vision right so you know just you reflecting back why did i make that decision or why did i put that person there because you know there was a point where you thought they were the perfect person so it's like what went wrong with that individual was it experience was it you know lack of perspective was it there's a whole bunch of different things but again maybe you have the right intent but if you don't have the right people in it it's not going to work out i was but in the sense of going back to when i said checks and balances that's with your initial people like you don't need to necessarily always have the checks and balances and reach down to your last 300 you need to have your checks and balances and reevaluate evaluate with your group commanders, because if they're on board, then you let them lead their way too, because it's not just you leading the entire wing. You're the spearhead, but there are other key 
factors involved. So how do you make sure that they're continuously understanding? And are they also problem solving every single day? Are they problem solving for your vision and making sure that what you want gets ha- gets done? Because they need to lead their own way too. <laughs> Remember, it's, it's your vision overall. At the end of the day, only you can see it. Your The people that you tr- entrust to enforce it only have what you're telling them. They can't see exactly what you see. You got to, you got to spend a lot of time selling it so they can rehack and getting, you know, and, and understand that stuff, right. That that's going on in your mind so that they know which way to go. I mean, they lead their own way, but they see why they're going in that direction. You ha- it, it takes time. It takes mentorship. That, that takes, it's very, very time consuming, but that's what you have to do because you're dealing with people. And if they're small minded, then don't give them a big dream. So you got to give it some, something that they, they can handle and, and they'll go with it. Yes, sir. All right, wonderful. So with that being said, Tran, we're moving on. Thank you, sir. Um, let's see. It is time for the game of the week with Cadet Camilla Valentine. She is ready to go. She has her material ready to rock. Mm-hmm. We are uh, going to do our thing. So without further ado, Ms. Valentine, please let us know what we're doing this week. All right, guys. So today we're going to play a game of hot seat. Um, so for those who don't know, it's just like a fun way to kind of end a discussion. So since our topic is on the villain and the avatar, like it's going to be questions on that. Um, kind of like the fun side of being the villain. Um, and so basically when I ask you guys, a question. You guys have about five seconds to start answering. Okay. All right. This one is going to be for Chad. If you, <laughs> if you could have any evil pet by your side, what would it be and why? An evil pet? Oh, shoot. I would want like a giant evil gorilla because, because they can that, like just... I'm picturing like King Kong climbing up stuff, like throwing bananas, like a, that's kind of funny. And I I would prefer something a bit more lighthearted if it's going to be villainous, but B that's, that's cool. Uh, It's probably not exactly hitting what you're wanting, but there's that. (laughs) Nope. That's good. (laughs) All right. This one's going to be for Stephanie. Describe your villainous leadership motto in just three words. Oh, villainous motto in three words. Um, Get it done. Okay. (laughs) All right. Next one. All right. Share a memorable moment when you turned a setback into an opportunity for your villainous leadership. What the heck is going on here? Repeat the question. (laughs) Okay. Share a memorable... Everybody's laughing because it's not... It's it's a mouthful. (laughs) Share a memorable moment when you turned a setback into an opportunity for your villainous leadership. Dang. This implies that I have villainous leadership. All right. So... (laughs) So... I'm not going to relate this to... um, ROTC at all because I think the most trying leadership is me being a dad. That is the most trying leadership that I've ever had to face. And sometimes I had to be the villain. So a matter of fact, um, my like level of villainous leadership pretty much is going to, is actually happening. My daughter uh, literally had her checkup, a dental checkup out here because she lives in Maryland, but she does her dental out here. And she has a, a whole bunch of big old cal- uh, cavities in her mouth. So sent her back home to Maryland and, and told her mom, hey, she needs to get this done. And we literally decided to send, use her spring break, fly her butt back over here, right? Instead of being over there dealing with, you know, doing her extracurriculars over there, volleyball, she's supposed to be doing all that. We were like, nope, nope. 
You're gonna fly your butt back over here. That dentist is gonna go in your grill and they're gonna fix what you ruined, right? So that was an, that was me being villainous. At the end of the day, I had good intent, but you're not gonna be rocking with your homies over there and hitting the ball across the net. You're gonna be up in here getting your grill fixed because you failed to be responsible and floss. So yeah, we're gonna go ahead and do that. I uh, I have no regrets and I am the villain and I don't care. All right, cool. All right, this next one's for Wade. How do you maintain an aurora of mystery and intimidation as a villainous? You never let them know what you're thinking until you're saying it. All right, Chad? <laughs> laughing over there. <laughs> I don't know. That's it. Good answer. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get one skip. Did you get a skip? I answered like half of it. Which iconic movie makes you feel along with most Oh, man. She gets the um, easy one. That's an easy one. Okay, like, I don't, like, I don't know why I immediately thought about Scar. Like, because he was a really bad guy. But I feel like he was also, in a way, okay, it's just me bad. Like, I really went deep into Scar's, like, history. And, like, why was he the reason, or why was he the evil brother, right? And it was just a lot of, like, he was automatically always, like, outcasts from his family and, like, everything. So I'm very much a person that some people, well, people aren't born bad. They're made bad, which is why I really vibe with Frankenstein. So I don't know why. I would feel like Scar is, like, maybe he's just a misunderstood guy. Even though he killed his brother, I'm not, I can't defend that. But, <laughs> like, it's just something to think about. <laughs> That's a good answer. All right, this next one's for Blaze, as you were an FTP flight commander. Um, so again, it's about being the villain. What's your preferred method of instilling fear in their subordinates. Wow. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think fear is very dangerous to use, but it's a super effective tool. Um, I think if you relate, you have to find out what they care about um, and then make their performance contingent upon that. So my flight really cared about a lot of them really cared about being pilots. So I was like, look, if, if we don't do well in this, you know, if we're not the best flight out here for PT uh, or during PT, then, you know, you guys is pilot slots may be affected and just kind of giving them the truth, like relate. Don't, don't give them fear. Don't try to damage them because that's not leadership at all. That's the opposite thereof, but you kind of have to find what scares them and then use that to motivate them a little bit. Um, just like sometimes parents have to do. That was my technique. Find out what freaked them out and how, how they cared about it and then make it relevant. Hopefully that answers your question. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Valentine, you good to go, ma'am? You good? Everything's good. All right, cool. Tran, thank you, sir, for your uh, your flag there. So let's get ready to wrap this thing up, you guys. So again, we're talking about the villain. Um, I, I want to give some advice or a, first and foremost, a big thank you for all you wing commanders that came through. And this is this is particularly for Galanga um, and, and the GMC and the POC and all that stuff like that. that are listening. Um, there are some times in your life that you are going to be the villain. Um, we we kind of laugh and, and joke about it, but we got real serious about some of those concepts and what triggers those things. I need you to look inside yourselves and figure that stuff out. If you have been a villain or you have perceived somebody to be a villain, why did you perceive them to be a villain? And I'm not talking about you know because they did something like really wrong by you i'm not talking about that kind of villain i'm talking about the professional level one the one that gave you the standard you didn't meet it and you got feedback and then you got mad and you perceived that person to be the villain why why are you upset look deep within and i'm sure you will find the answer of why and it is truly within the answer is truly within and instead of figuring out 
why you don't like this person. You need to figure out how you can get better. What can you do in order to get better and meet that standard that they're making? If you hit your if you hit your targets, people will not have anything to say. I say that all the time. You know how to shut up a crowd in the in a basketball court? Make your shots, right? Make your shots. They, they got nothing else to do. They got to move on to somebody else. So make your shots. And I, I just wanted to kind of, you know, give everybody the the words of wisdom that, you know, if, if you remove the emotions from the process, if you remove those human factors, then you should be able to see with clear like intent, what the intent was, right? And why you're getting that consultation in the first place. And then you should be able to clearly figure out what you need to do in order to move forward in your life. Those villains, perceived villains, are truly those who are telling you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, okay? Colonel Young sat in that seat and told the cadet wing what they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. And hence, he became the villain for a long time until he started seeing to everybody started seeing a year later oh wow we're a more light unit we're a faster unit we're a more efficient unit we're starting to ask questions that we never ever asked before in our 20-year history because we got to a certain point we didn't tolerate mediocrity we stopped doing that we stopped holding hands people who were used to getting their hand held Colonel Young was enemy number one, right? Why are they not doing this? Oh, we gave you this. We're just not there to hold your hand. So we've all had our fair share of being the villain. Um, and it's usually when we don't fit the narrative to be the hero. I've literally been somebody's hero and villain in the same week. Not, it, it, not a problem. It, 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 and I don't mind being it if it's if I'm if I'm truly right. If I'm truly saying the right things and doing the right thing by this person, then I will go to bed with the blanket on and my AC on and my fan in my face, and I'll sleep just fine. After I analyze that I did right by this person, I, I did the right thing. I have the courage to tell you when you're doing wrong. And if I'm the villain for it. Okay. If I lose a friendship or if I lose, if I gain a battle scar because of it, okay. 20 years of combat experience tell me you need to hear that. So, with that being said, what do you guys want to send out to the people uh, who are listening to this this um, this message here? Let's start with uh, Valentine, because you've been a flight commander, you've been a group commander, you've had to tell some people the business. What would you? What advice would you give out there? Um, the perspective of those receiving the under end of being like not the person being the villain, but the person receiving it. Um, sure. I would say just don't take anything personal. I think it's really good to have boundaries a lot of times, especially with ROTC. Like I know that if I'm in uniform and I'm in L lab, like I'm going to be a different person than I am outside of the uniform. Like I'm approachable enough. We could talk to me after, but like when it's time to like execute like I'm mission focused and I think the biggest thing is for those when it comes to feedback or someone says something that you might not agree with is don't take it personal and kind of just see it and take a step back and see what you can learn from it because at the end of the day there's going to be feedback that you resonate with and feedback that you just truly disagree with and that's perfectly fine it just comes with knowing yourself LTs I'll go first I'll give you both uh, sides of the coin here so uh, for somebody who's going to um if you're receiving feedback or, or something and you think that person is a villain, uh, just remember that your supervisors almost never want what's bad for you. What's good for you is good for them. And uh, it goes back to like our core value, right? excellence in all we do. They're trying to uphold that core value of the Air Force. Simple, simple as that. And they're expecting excellence from you. 
if you're not giving it, then you, they need to tell you uh, and you need to be able to accept that. Um, and then from somebody giving feedback to where you might be the villain, again, excellence in all we do, right? It's your responsibility. You've been given whatever authority you have to carry out those core values. And um, that's, that's your job. Be cognizant of people's feelings, understand them enough and know your people well enough to Hey, is the way I'm giving this feedback the best for that person? You need to know your people and tailor your feedback to them so it's most effective to them. Remember, you're there at the end of the day to get the mission done. Mission first and people always. And whatever you have to do to make that happen, make it happen. And sleep in your bed. Like uh, Captain Soldier was saying, as long as you're doing right by people, you should be able to go to bed just fine at night. So that's my two cents there. Um, my two cents is everyone's learning at the end of the day and everyone's learning to either take feedback if you're the villain or give feedback to the villain and both sides are learning. So the entire you know, four years is an interview, like Liz was saying, and um, to give people enough um, rope to say that, hey, they're doing they're doing their best out here. And if they're not solve the problem, don't just complain about a problem. Find out why you think that they're the villain and do something about it, whether it's in inwards to yourself or outwards to, to give them feedback properly. Biasteros. <laughs> Mine would be towards the villain. Um, leadership is a privilege. So whenever like you're saying some feedback, sometimes the feedback that you're, you're, you you want to say needs to be earned. So sometimes you don't honestly have a right to say a whole bunch of things to people if you haven't earned their trust and you haven't earned like a strong relationship. So really like you as a leader have to go that extra length to make sure that what you're saying is actually being received because of the fact that they know that you that you know that trust is already embedded um, and that you generally care for them because sometimes you know we as leaders especially in rtc we say a lot of direct feedback but what when have you ever tried to even have like a casual conversation with them so they can know where you're coming from and they can learn your perspectives or your upbringing and certain things like that so again like leadership is a privilege and certain things that you need to say needs to be earned um don't just say like whatever just because if you got in that seat you can say whatever you want to say in however way you want to say it galanga sir i would start off by saying to the person who is i guess on the receiving end at the very least, be open. Try to take the time to actually understand what they're telling you because it might be completely valid and you may have just not realized it yet. So for a sliver of time, maybe they are the villain, but be willing to see them as a possible hero because I don't know, maybe they gave you some life-changing advice, some life-changing feedback. On the opposite end, as the villain, when it comes down to just making some harder decisions, like... I've been saying this a lot to my crew. Oftentimes, it's a lot more simple than it probably appears to be. And what I mean by that is, yes, it's going to be a very hard decision and you can really complicate things. I have a tendency to do that myself. But when you boil things down, it's either you're holding the standard or you're not simple, something like that. So essentially to boil down the advice, it's going to be hard and that's fine. Make the decision that you feel is right. All right. So with that being said, folks, we are all good. In the words of my wife, Yesenia, be kind. And in my words, talk to somebody different. You might learn a thing or two and it might strengthen your decision making processes in the future. So with that being said, we are good. We are out. D1 done. We wish you all uh, the best and you guys make good decisions out there. Be good. All right. And we are signing off. See you guys later. See you later. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.